you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, here we are in December. Can you believe how quickly this year has passed by? I mean, I always enjoy the beginning of a new year, but it seems like a blink of an eye when 2014 was starting. And here we are at the end, anticipating the beginning of 2015. Well, I hope you're having a great holiday season, that you're anticipating the new year as I am, and that you're anticipating great time during the holiday season here with friends and family. Well, our sponsor today is Harry's. Now, you're going to hear me talk about a special package I got. And, boy, if you want to fill up your Christmas list for the guys in your list, harrys.com is the way to go. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. You can use 48 days as a code, but I'm going to tell you about a special package that they've got right now for Christmas here in just a little bit. What do you think? Is there anything more important than knowledge? And we put on big priority on knowledge in our culture i mean when we think about the academic system you go there to get knowledge you go there to know what you don't know now and then we see shows like jeopardy and who wants to be a millionaire where uh, people win who have their heads full of trivia and knowledge is that really the most important thing well i'm gonna give you a quotation that may challenge that here in just a little bit here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today Dan, can I make big money with vending machines? We're going to park on that one a little bit because it has so many of the characteristics of any kind of business that you would want to start. So I'm going to spend a little time talking about that in particular. Someone says, should I believe my optimistic friends about making money in video production? Dan, I have a great idea for a toothbrush that's never been done before. And then someone wants to know, how did that real estate guy learn how to make money? Last week, I talked about a client who has done extremely well in real estate. I'm going to give you a little bit more information from him today because I went back and asked him how he learned to make all that money based on some of your questions. Well, here's our quotation. Now, remember, I ask, is anything more important than knowledge? Quotation comes from Albert Einstein, who says, imagination is more important than knowledge. Now, here's a continuation of that quotation. For knowledge is limited to all we know now and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. So he saw imagination as opening us up into this vast universe, whereas knowledge is very limited just by what we already know and understand. So imagination is more important than knowledge. Now, that's something that I really believe It's something that has served me well over the years, and I think it can do the same for you. And it relates to some of the things we're going to be looking at today. Incidentally, in the new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love, which we should have in our warehouse in about a week, I'm told now, which is exciting. We're thrilled to finally, finally have them there. You know, writing a book is a long process. Of course, this is an update of the book that came out in hardback version 10 years ago, but... uh, Redoing it was a major undertaking, primarily because of you, my listeners. Well, I shouldn't say that's not a negative, believe me, but here's the deal. 
I put out one notice to you, my listeners and readers, that I was going to be doing an update on 48 Days to the Work You Love and ask for any updates that you would suggest. And I thought I'd get, you know, a point here or there. Well, just to kind of frame this, a book is about 72,000 words. That's what the original version of 48 Days to the Work You Love is. 72,000 words, that makes a typical 240-page book. You, my listeners, submitted over 165,000 words of content. Now, that came from those of you who are teachers, salespeople, entrepreneurs, PhDs, academic professors, human resource directors. I mean, I heard from everybody. And in that body of work that you presented, then I sorted through it. Really, what happened is my research was essentially finished for the updates that I needed. The links, resources that you all provided shortened my research and writing time dramatically. But then it was a challenge. How do I take a current 72,000 word book and keep it a 72,000 word book? Because we can't go from a 240 page book to a 500 page book. That's not, that's not where we're going to go at all. My publisher wanted a 240 page book. So it meant anything I added, something had to come out. So it ended up being a much larger revision than what I anticipated about 70% of the content well, actually, about 60% of the content is new, 70% overall when you include charts, graphs, and things that I removed, and I removed the 48-day schedule so we wouldn't use up that space. That's online now, so a lot of the resources that used to be in the book are now online in an expanded form, and that also allows us to have real-time updates on those. But one of the major changes in the new 48-days book is a chapter titled, Yes, I Do Have an Education. And it addresses this issue about, is knowledge enough? A lot of people are coming out of college, you know, with a degree in political science or geophysics or whatever it happens to be, and they have a lot of knowledge. But then they discover the world really doesn't care. Because a lot of times what you have is knowledge doesn't need to be stored in your head or memorized. You can grab your iPhone and ask Siri and in three seconds, get an answer to anything that you want to get an answer to. So having knowledge stored in your head is not the real critical issue. What does an education mean? And so in chapter three of the new 48 days, I address that. Yes, I do have an education and talk about the things in our lives that can add to our education to give us marketable skills. Well, anyway, I'll have more on that as we, as the time unfolds and as we actually do have them here, and delighted to start getting those out as soon as we get them in. Well, I mentioned that Harry's is our promoter, our sponsor for today. And they've got some exciting news. They, they sent me just recently one of their new shave gels and aftershave moisturizers. They got some new products they're packaging with their great razors that I've been talking about for a long time. So they've got Two new kits, the Truman and the Winston, now coming with the foaming shave gel. And again, it just makes a really attractive gift. I've got a stack of them here in my office. I give them out liberally. They're very inexpensive. The basic kit is only 15 bucks, And with the 48 days code, you get $5 off of that. Now they've got some new packaging. But check these out. The Truman and the Winston. Go look at those. But if you go to harrys.com, again, it's just H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. They'll give you $5 off if you type in my code, 48 days. Um, 
And again, this is not even just with your first purchase. If you already are using it, that'd be great. You can go back and uh, get another supply or get a gift for somebody and still get the $5 off. So harrys.com, enter the coupon code 48 days. I got a note here from Jose Osana who says, Dan, I just want, no, I don't know Jose, but he says, good day. I just want to say thanks for the recommendation of Harry's products. I purchased one for myself and one for my brother-in-law and one for my father-in-law. I liked it that much. Now, let me know your stories. I love hearing these stories about uh, things, things that you did actually take action on. Again, this is one of those where it's just a matter of taking action. So if you took action on that and like what you got, shoot me a story. I'll be happy to share that here as well. Now, here's some of the things that are going on. Chris Rudolph is a, is a career coach, sharp guy. He's got an event coming up that I wanted to share with you. And the event is going to be down in the Dominican Republic. Now, here's, his company is called Boost Career Coaching. Incidentally, I want to talk a little bit about the career coaches, you who responded, because I said last week that one of our a corporate partners was looking for career coaches. Well, let me go ahead. I'll tell you what happened there. I told you one of our corporate partners was looking for some career coaches that would be available for the clients that they're getting in going through. It's, it is part of the back end provision based on one of the software packages that we have for job coaching on the 48 days site. But there's been such an explosion of new needs. So many of you coming through that site they do their career coaching, but they were running short on competent coaches to do that. So I put out the word last week in the podcast here, had about 40 of you who responded and said, Hey, I'd like to be considered for that. So I have forwarded all of those on some of them. I'd, I'd love to go back and take more time to respond to your wonderful notes that came in with that and description of what you're doing. But I've forwarded those all on to Christy who will be screening those and contacting you about the opportunities there. But anyway, so back to Chris Rudolph, Chris is a career coach as well. His company is boostcareercoaching.com. Uh, they specialize in helping life business and fitness coaches build profitable small group coaching programs and events. Now he's put together an event that's going to be in February 4th through the 9th. This is going to be a business building retreat at a luxury all inclusive resort in sunny Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. Now he says, imagine building your dream coaching business by the beach in less than a week. Now here's the deal, what he's done. And again, this is just a listener like you who I wanted to help promote what he was doing because I thought it sounded like such a cool thing. I went to the site that's, Oh my gosh, that's really cool. But you can get $500 off the retreat because you're a 48 days listener. And to do that, to see what's going on, go to boostcareercoaching.com slash 48 days, and then enter the discount code 48 days. Again, it's just boost, B-O-O-S-T, careercoaching.com, slash 48 days. Put in the discount code 48 days and get $500 off that event. Now, you hear me talk about events a lot. I mean, I love going to events, and that's one of the ways that I have, golly, that I've been able to grow in business. I mean, I, you, you hear me talk about my 10X principle. If I go to an event, I just simply look for how, what is the one or two ideas that I'm going to be able to take home with me that'll give me a 10 times return on the investment for coming here. So have fun going to the events and don't consider it just a hard cost and just a dead weight 
coming out of your savings or whatever, consider it an investment in where you're going. So if you're serious about growing in your business, if you're serious about growing as a career coach, take advantage of the kind of events that we promote here to go there. And you hear some of the stories that we talk about, about people who have had incredible success, you know, just in a very short period of time. It's because they're investing in themselves. They're getting the kind of opportunities that take them to a next level. Now, just a couple quick things here. We promoted now my team, Jen and Andy and Ashley, you know, are promoting some special deals right now. One of those was my mastermind course that's on Udemy. Now that usually we've been running it at $96, but then we've had it up recently for 48. We just cut it in half, made it $48. Udemy asked if I would be willing to have them put it in the mix of their Black Friday sale at $10. And I said, sure, go ahead. You know, it's an electronic course. Just have fun with that. If we boost the numbers up, you know, more, uh, more people get access to it. That's fine. So we promoted it as a $10 option to go. And we were just sending people directly to Udemy. What we did not know is that it started on Friday at $10 and then they were raising it so many dollars every day. So we were still promoting it at $10 and we had people come back in and say, wow, you said it's $10 and now it's 19 or it's 24 or whatever. And it made us look bad. Now, what do you think I did with those people? Now this is over. So this is not, don't jump on the bandwagon here. This is over. But what do you think I did with that? You know, did I say, well, gee, you pay what they say and we'll try to get them to reimburse you, you know, the $8 or whatever. No, not at all. This is just one of those opportunities. Now keep in mind again, it's an electronic product. So we really have no hard cost at all. So I told Terry who handles our customer service, I said, you take anybody who responded like that, who said they didn't purchase because it wasn't $10 after all. And you give them free access to the course, the entire course on Udemy. That's just one of the ways I mean, that's just one of the ways you do business. That's the way you grow your business. That's the way you develop great relationships like we have with so many of you over the years. And so just, I considered it a great opportunity. I didn't consider it revenue lost at all. Not a big deal. What I considered was a great opportunity to just show these people we really care and we really are response responsive and we accept responsibility for that, even though it was out of our hands, I could have pointed fingers, blamed. I didn't know that's what they were going to do. It wasn't clearly explained. doesn't matter. Bottom line is it was our name and reputation on the line. And the easiest solution for me, I made it, I made it in a nanosecond. You know, I had team members saying, well, we could give people a coupon for a future purchase. I'd no, give the course to anybody who was frustrated in that process. Boom, done. Now I got a letter. I'm still in the success category here. We'll do our, um, we are the champions here in just a second. I got a letter this week, handwritten in a handwritten envelope. And it says this, it says, dear Dan Miller, this is from Sabas Flores, who I, I do not know, but he says, hello, my name is Sabas Flores. This month we celebrate Thanksgiving day. I want to thank you for making a difference in my life. I grew up on a farm in the mountains. We had not electricity growing up and spent our days milking cows and working the land. I came to this country in 1998 with nothing. I did not speak English, but I had a lot of dreams and goals for success. Thank you so much for helping me 
and changing people's lives. You are responsible for my success in life. Sabas Flores. And it included a gift card to Starbucks in there. Now just what a sweet gesture. I don't know Sabas. I've never talked to him. I didn't look him up on, on Facebook and saw that he's a, apparently a financial coach in the Hispanic community, I think is probably what the case is because the, the name as it translates for the company where he works and perhaps he owns it, I don't know, is your financial motivator is really what it translates to. So really cool. Now, the, now here's the thing. I heard from a couple friends of mine as well. Michael Stelzer from Social Media Examiner got essentially exactly the same letter and gift card as did Michael Hyatt. We just all happened to see Facebook posts and things and recognize the three of us got exactly the same thing. Now I suspect there's probably others as well. I don't know what the common connection is for this gentleman to send those out. At first I thought, Oh my gosh, this is just a a form letter. This is going to lead to something. No, it's a handwritten letter. I compared mine to the one Michael Stelzer got, and there are several words that are different and the formation on the page is different. This is a handwritten letter, but what an opportunity to be engaged in people's lives like that and to hear from them that, Hey, you made a difference. I mean, that is so rewarding. And I trust you're hearing the same kind of things from people that you're working with or customers of yours, however you're involved in work and business that you get the same affirmation that you're doing work that really does make a difference. Now, one more here, and then we'll move on. This comes from John who says, Dan, I remember you saying in passing that you plan to double your income the following year. You said that you had a plan for doing so, and your emphasis was on having a plan, not on doubling your income. You said it as matter-of-factly as if you said you were going to buy a pair of shoes and you knew where you wanted to buy them. That was just as I was about to leave my day job and strike out on my own. I was struck by how it was feasible that a business owner could double his income in a year. But that would be almost impossible for someone in a salaried position. At my former job, doubling my effort could assure me of getting the maximum 3% cost of living increase rather than maybe getting or maybe getting the default 2%. Since that time, I have more than doubled my income and could now see it doubling again next year. Thanks for the regular doses of encouragement on your show. You know, and I did not know, I just had an email pop up here from John because I asked him what he's doing. He said he offers consulting to drug companies, lawyers, software companies, etc. Well, again, I'll keep the details of what he's described in private, but what a great, a great story that you did, in fact, double your income. Yeah, sometimes we have to go where we've not been before. You know, there's an old T.S. Eliot quotation that says only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. Now, when you think about that, I mean, a lot of times we, we try so hard to avoid making mistakes. We try so hard to have anything that would be seen as a failure. And you know what happens if you do that? You tend to keep your life pretty small. So again, you know, I may use this next week as our quotation and kind of build on it. But again, T.S. Eliot said, only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. 
great quotation there. Well, you hear it coming. We are the champions. I love those stories from you telling us what you've done to make your life better. How you're helping more people. You know, in some reading I've been doing recently, I see a common theme, and that is if you want to make more money, find more people to serve. I mean, if it's big heavy hitters, if it's Joe Polish or Richard Branson or whoever it happens to be, they're all saying the same thing. If you want to make more money, find more ways to serve people. This is not a matter of taking money from somebody. This is a matter of serving people and in the process, making money. That's how it happens. Well, we'd love to hear your story. If you got a a success story you want to share here, just go to the 48days.com site. Click on the podcast link. You'll see a red starburst there. Click on that. It'll give you an opportunity to give us your story there, or you can just craft an email and send it directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Okay. Now, now, this first question here, I'm going to spend a little more time than usual on this because I think it's so, it's such a great example of the kind of things that a lot of you are asking yourselves, you know, is this really possible? Now this comes from Chad who says, Dan, I've written to you in the past. I've applied your principles to my nine to five job, which made it tolerable. Ouch. I went through some life changes this past couple of years and really can't stomach the thought of working for anyone else. I hear you mention the vending machine businesses and I have the opportunity of purchasing an existing business. How would you go about valuing the business? What other things should I consider? This business has been established for three years. I do not know the details of income and expenses or contracts with the existing locations. Okay. Do I like vending? Yes, I do. I love vending. Vending is still one of the biggest millionaire makers in America, Chad. I mean, it's estimated that about $650 million pass through vending machines each week. Each week. That's over $35 billion a year. Yeah, there's a whole lot of potential with vending. Now, I know vending has a lot of the characteristics that I look for in a business. I mean, it's a very broad market. I mean, you have probably unlimited customer potential. It's not dependent on your time. It makes money while you sleep. There are thousands and thousands of product placement possibilities, but because it is so profitable, the vending industry is also full of scams. Oh my gosh, is it ever? I mean, the, the FTC, the federal trade commission right now has 482 items featured that involve vending scams. There's one going around right now where they're, they are targeting Hispanics and getting cash money, you know, for the machines, blah, blah, blah. When it really isn't a viable business idea. I mean, there's so many things that are out there that really are not worth anything at all. Usually what happens is now I'm going to come back Chad, to the details here. Now, for one thing, I don't have enough detail to really give a very specific answer to what there are so many unknowns in how you've asked this. There's a vending business machine or vending business that's for sale. You have an opportunity to purchase it. How do you value the business? It's really critical where the machines are located. That has way more to do with it than how expensive the machines are, what kind of product you're selling. 
it's the location. Location is critical. And a lot of people think, oh my gosh, you know, here's a vending opportunity. They tell me that if I can just put these out and I'm going to make $10,000 a month or some ridiculous thing, you know, well, I'm going to put them, you know, I'm going to put five right in the back of Walmart where I see people coming out. There's tons of traffic there. Boom. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and borrow from my grandmother, the $10,000 and get the machines and then go put them there and just have a cash cow. And I've seen that literally played out so many times. It's pretty nauseating. Well, for one thing, you aren't going to put those machines in Walmart. I mean, obviously they know how important that location is when they're coming out there. So they're going to protect that and have their own machines there. End of story. So you're going to be left with, okay, what are the places where you could put a machine? So you're really limiting down to pretty much mom and pop kind of operations. When you think about the big hitters or vending machines, if it's a franchise, they're going to have already looked at this and they're going to know exactly what they want and know the value of the traffic coming by any square foot spot in their stores. If it's a university, I mean, those are big, big money because college kids, you know, live out of any machines, but you don't just waltz in there and put a machine in and say, Hey, I'll share the profits with, you You know, those are contracted. So if there's a contract with Pepsi or Coke or some of the, one of the major vendors like that, they control every single machine on campus. They may have a couple thousand machines, but they control every single one. You can't get into that as an individual with a few machines. So you really come down to Where is it that you would have the opportunity to put those? Now, as with any business, you can have a great opportunity if you do your homework. You can't rely on somebody else to place your machines. Talk to business owners in advance and see if they would be willing to let you put one of your machines there. And Chad, for your business where you're saying it's an ongoing business, you talk to the owners before you buy this business. You determine what the contract is, what the revenue share is with them. I mean, if they have, if they're demanding 80% of the gross revenue that comes out of those, those things aren't going to be very profitable, even if they're generating some significant income. Typically, you're going to share 50% of the profits. I'll give you a couple other examples of how that's done, but typically it's going to be 50% of the profits. So if you have a machine, well, let me, let me give you some figures here. Um, okay. Single vending machines typically do not earn large amounts of money. Now I just pulled this from one of the government sites. For instance, the website vending machine help states that a vending machine is often considered to be earning well if it produces $15 or more in monthly income. There's another site called Genius Types that reports the average profit on a single vending machine is $25 a month. Now, when I say that, I mean, again, I'll come back and verify vending is still one of the biggest millionaire makers in America. Vending, printing, and dry cleaning are still three of the top 10 millionaire producers in America. Vending, printing, and dry cleaning. Vending is major, but you got to do your homework. I mean, again, I love the fact that you can have a machine out there and it's generating money while you sleep. Here's an example. I'll give you a couple real examples of this. I worked with a gentleman here in Nashville who was a fireman. So he would work three days solid and then he'd have four days off. So he had a whole lot of time off, but those were rotating 
timelines. So it wasn't consistent where he could go get another job those four days. And he really didn't want to do that, but he wanted something that would generate income. And I suggested vending as an opportunity for him. He ended up getting vending machines. It's the kind of machine where you walk into a restroom and a truck stop and you see a machine there. You put in 75 cents. You turn to one of three selections, push a plunger and it squirts cologne in your hands and you walk out smelling like a million bucks. Those are really popular in truck stops. Still, he got before he invested in the machines Now the machines, think about the machine there. There's no electronics. It's all mechanical. All you've got are a couple little vials in there and a plunger. So there's nothing to spoil. It's not like having food in a vending machine that has to be turned, you know, every few days or it'll get stale. It's not like there's a lot of fancy electronics that can go wrong and cause you problems. They all have, you know, computers in there that have to be taken care of, maintained. No, this is real simple machine. And it was only about 300 bucks, you know, for the machines. And he got an agreement with Mapco. Now, Mapco is one of the major convenience store, truck stop, you know, all through the Midwest here. He got an agreement with them and he would just as fast as he could get machines and put them in their truck stops all up and down the freeways here in the Midwest. And they tur- it turned out to be extremely profitable for him. The cost of the product was less than a penny. So if somebody puts in 75 cents, I mean, that's a really big margin. Now, these weren't those that were turning out thousands of dollars a week, obviously. It's a small dollar item and a small return on investment. But over time, those were very consistent, very trouble-free, and created a great income for him. Now, you've probably heard me talk about my own introduction to vending. And that was way back when I was 18 years old. I was a poor, a poor farm kid, but I was going to go to college. I was going to the Ohio State University, and because I was a poor farm kid, I got an $1,800 grant for my tuition. Well, I've been an entrepreneur since I came out of my mother's womb. 1800 bucks. I saw that as a nest egg that I could invest and make money. That's always how I've looked at having money available, invest it, get a big return, move on to something else. So I was thinking that way, 18 years old, I saw an ad in the back of a magazine for vending machines. I thought, Hey, how cool. They're telling me I can, all I have to do is just go around and collect the money. No brainer. How difficult is that? They're going to place the machines for me. I don't even have to think about that. I sent in my 1800 bucks and I got, I think it was 10. At the time, I think I had enough money to get 10 machines. This has been a very long time ago. And they were hot cashew machines. Now, I love cashews. I still, there's hardly a day that goes by that I don't have a handful of cashews, I guess. I love cashews. What could be more enticing than hot cashews? Well, true to their word, they sent a guy down to place those machines. I, this was, you know, we were living just outside of Mansfield, Ohio. That's where my, I grew up with my parents. The guy who came to place the machines was pretty well tanked when he showed up, I think, and proceeded to become more so as we went around to these sleazy bars where he was going to place these machines. Now, I was terrified. I mean, I was a shy, backward little Mennonite kid, and to go into these places was pretty intimidating. I mean, I figured I was walking right into the gates of hell just to walk in the door. But that's where he said they would be most profitable. We put them in there, and he did, in fact, place the machines. 
Well, guess what happens to cashews under heat if they're not turned about every 12 hours? They get moldy. I started getting calls almost immediately from the proprietors of those sleazy joints saying, hey, our inebriated customers are even more ticked off because of your moldy cashews. Get these things out of here. And I did. I went around and got the machines out. I had no other option. I hid those machines in a chicken coop on our farm. My dad to his dying day never knew this story, never knew I had them, never knew I lost that $1,800, which was a whole lot of money back then. And of course, when tuition came due, I had to get out and hustle and earn the money because I didn't have it. I ultimately sold those for essentially scrap metal for about 10 cents on the dollar. So I think I got a couple hundred bucks for those 10 machines. That was my first introduction to, to vending. Now, here's the point. Did I then say, I'll never risk again. I'll never try another business idea. I'll certainly never do vending again. It's a scam. It never works. What do you think? Can you hear me saying that? I hope you can't because that has never been my response. My response was, wow, that didn't work very well. What do I learn from that? What can I learn from that that can move me forward in doing something better. How can that failure be part of a stepping stone to my ultimate success? I'm going to tell you exactly where I took that in just a minute, but I want to tell you about another one real quickly here. And that is, I wrote a blog about this back in November 26, 2013 is the blog. And I titled it, but he doesn't have a college degree. If you want to find that you can go, just go to my blogs and just put in the search the search engine there, college degree, and this will come up. You can put in, but he doesn't have a college degree. That's the title. And I talk about Noe, who's my landscape guy. Now, he wanted to do something. He was sending money back home to his dad, and he wanted to do something, come up with something for his dad to do so, he wouldn't, so his dad would not be just sitting there totally dependent on his son's income. So he bought, originally bought four freezers from home depot here in the states drove down to mexico placed them in little markets they'd fill those freezers with popsicles that they made now the markets paid nothing up front think about his business model here he did a really great job the markets paid nothing up front they simply passed on 60 percent of all the money generated from the sales of popsicles keeping 40 percent that model proved to work very well now there's a whole lot of people that told him it wouldn't work there's a lot of well-meaning friends that said he was crazy to try to do this, that he was nuts to put those machines out there with no cost to the merchants. He was risking all of that. They said he'd have trouble finding people to work. The merchants would cheat him, but no, no, he just forged ahead anyway. Treating people with respect and expecting the same. Now he doesn't have a college degree. He doesn't have a business degree. In fact, he completed the sixth grade and then started running his own businesses well, today he has 820 freezers in place. Now I see Noe very frequently because they, they do our yard work have for 14 years. So I'm always getting updates and thrilled about it. He wants to have a, a thousand machines in place by early spring, 2015. He recently purchased a machine that can produce 10,000 popsicles every eight hours. And currently they're selling about 9,000 of those daily at the equivalent of U.S. dollars, which would be about 70 cents each. That's $6,300 a day. Now he's getting, he keeps 60% of that. So what is that? That's about 
$3,600 a day in gross profit. He brought in a cousin of his to run the business there, and he continues to operate his very successful landscaping business here. He's never borrowed a penny for capitalization. He attends seminars to learn how to do his business better. Uh, He's negotiated a special recipe of the Love Fruit Popsicle with exclusive rights for a 400-mile square area. Now, again, this is this is not a high tech business. I mean, he still has a flip phone and doesn't text or use Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn. He just provides a good product at a fair price and keeps hustling to grow his business. You know, that that's another example of a vending machine. Now, it's pretty low tech, frankly. It's a freezer. You pull the, the lid open and there you see the popsicle selection. Take one, pay the merchant, come back. And split the profit, 60 goes to Noe, the merchant keeps 40%. That has worked extremely well and allows his dad to generate an extraordinary income without having to be dependent on his sons who have gone to the United States. Not at all. Now, here's where I went with my vending idea. Remember that first experience, my cashew machines. But instead of just saying, oh, I'll never do that again, I've had vending machines multiple times along the years when I owned a health and fitness center, they had machines in there when I purchased the business and they were Coke and Pepsi machines. They would manage them. They would stock them. I would get a small percentage of the revenue. And I said, Hey, this is my real estate, my property. Let's just say you take your machines out of here. I'll just handle this myself. And I did, I purchased machines and put them in there. They were extremely profitable. I obviously had a captive audience, all the people coming in. We had about 4,000 members, so all the people coming in and out. I put in healthy fruit juices, healthy snacks, but I would buy them at deep, deep discounts, put them in there. People would pay, and it's just an unexpected source of revenue beyond memberships. I loved the vending business. That was something I continued to do very successfully while I had the health and fitness center. But here's what I do today. Now, a lot of you have heard me talk about our DISC profile, the D-I-S-C, where you go in and it says, you respond best in this kind of environment. This is how you're likely to sell. This is how you relate to other people. You are dominant, influencing, steady, steady, or compliant. These are the careers that would likely fit you. Now, if you've done that, you know how you got access to that report. You went to our site. You put in your 75 cents, so to speak, with a credit card, and you had got a unique code that gave you instant access to that report. You printed it out. Now, let me expand on that idea a little bit. We have major corporate users like Nissan and Allstate Insurance. State Farm uses thousands of those reports. So let's say that there's an office in Seattle. I live just south of Franklin, right south of Nashville in Franklin, Tennessee. Let's say there's an office for State Farm in Seattle. They are going to be screening for new agents and they have 20 people that they want to screen. They're set up with us as a distributor for those reports. They come in, they purchase those reports, they get those 20 unique codes, they give those to their prospects, get the reports all while I'm sound asleep or sitting on the beach somewhere. It is, in essence, an electronic vending machine. But instead of us having to drive across town and restock the peanuts or M&Ms or Hershey bars, 
it's electronic. The product is digital, but it, in essence is still a vending machine. I love that. That is the highest sold product in our company. Those reports outsell my books, anything else that we have, those personality reports. And it's essentially just using an electronic vending machine. Well, let, let me stop with that. Again, I've taken more time than usual on a question about vending because it relates to so many of the principles that we look at for any business. Now, you got to do your homework. I mean, my goodness, make sure you do extensive homework before you get into this. Location is king. Be careful about buying a business opportunity attached to the vending machines. If somebody is showing that you can get three vending machines and they're going to show you how to run a vending machine business and this package is $3,600. So you're in essence paying $1,200 machine, but what they're saying, they're saying this is a business opportunity. So you're paying for the business opportunity. What they don't tell you is you can probably go to Costco and get those machines individually for 40 bucks a piece. So you can spend $120. You can get the information about how to run a, a vending business without paying them for the business opportunity. But usually it's packaged in that way. And I know lots of people, I could take you on a tour right around where I live here and go to garages that are packed full with vending machines where people got into the vending business, not having done their homework properly, borrowing money, to buy machines and ended up with nothing because they didn't understand all the logistics of how to do a business like that. Well, don't be caught in doing that. Well, just a reminder, you got a question you want to shoot it in. Be happy to review that for an upcoming podcast. Just go to the 48 days.com link, click on the podcast link there. You'll see an opportunity to submit your question. Be happy to include that whether it's your success story or a question that you've got about how to move forward, what you're doing. Well, let me move on here to a couple questions. Sean says, Dan, for the past couple of years, I've been doing video work on the side and I've gotten some good experience and created some good contacts. Now I want to set a rate and create a real business doing video marketing for business owners. My question is about setting a price and a rate that I work for. I have some friends in my life who I trust who say I should be charging a lot because I'm worth it but they're not writing any checks. I have other friends who want to hire me, but at an hourly rate that is comparable to working at home Depot or delivering pizzas, not putting any value in my expertise or experience. Should I believe what my optimistic friends say and spend my time getting higher paying gigs or accept my rate as whatever someone is willing to pay me for Sean? Well, the best tool I can offer you, Sean, I know that you're a member of 48 days.net go to the Tuesday night brainstorming sessions, scroll back in the archives until you find the interview I did with Jeff Long. Jeff Long is longtime participant, a group leader in 48days.net. He's part of my mastermind. I did a interview with him that is the best compilation of how to position yourself and charge in video work that I could possibly give you. So rather than going through and breaking that down, now what you're saying is true on both sides. I mean, it's, Yes, you can make a lot of money doing that, but you can also be seen as just one more guy with a video camera. You know, why couldn't I use my iPhone 6 and do the same kind of thing? So you have to make a case for why your work has unique value. 
why you bring something to the table. Show examples of what you've done, testimonials from people you've worked with. I mean, those are the kind of things that you're going to have to do. Okay, let me go to this one. Uh, Dan, on the last podcast, you related the story of Bill who had success in real estate. You stated that he went on to seminars. Uh, do you know if he went to get rich and quick, get rich in real estate quick seminars or serious real estate agent seminars? Just curious. This is not meant with negative connotations toward either type of seminar. Thank you. This the question comes from Bill Dixon. Now, yeah, last week I, I actually started out talking about Bill just to uh, keep confidential the name of the actual person I was talking about. But then I went on and boarded it out as uh, Ronnie Boyd. Uh, you've heard me talk about Ronnie before. Ronnie doesn't mind um, engaging with us and letting people know what he's done. His personal story has been phenomenal. He went from $63,000 a year income to this year. He'll be right at 240,000. And he's done that by keeping his regular job, but adding to that real estate deals. Now, so I ask him, just last night, I shot a note to him and I said, Ronnie, would you mind telling us what kind of seminars you've been to so I can pass this on to people? And and Bill, in the question here, Bill is asking from Salt Lake City, you know, how did he get up to speed so quickly in this? Here's Ronnie's response. He says, Dan, I've been to a little bit of everything over the last few years. I've never had a desire to be a realtor, so I never put any time into that sort of training. So he doesn't do, he's not a real estate agent. He's a real estate investor. Here's some of the things I find most valuable to me. Number one, my local real estate investment club or local meetups that focus on real estate. These build local relationships. He's done a really good job of forging relationships and learning from people who are doing the same thing that he wanted to do. He also told me, you know, that he's been going uh, to these real estate investors meetings. And he's talked to people who have been coming for four or five years to these meetings and they've never yet done a single deal. Well, we're back to imagination is more important than knowledge. These people continue to gather knowledge and never pull the trigger. Now he also says, Ronnie says biggerpockets.com is a great website. In my opinion, it's the 48days.com of real estate investing. It's that good. Honest, good people sharing in information online with each other. So he says, listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast. They're all about an hour long, but packed with great information. And then some of the things he's read recently, the Weekend Millionaire Real Estate Investing Program by Roger Dawson and Mike Summey, the Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller, the book on flipping houses by Jay Scott. He says those are books that he's read in the last few months that he's really enjoyed. Now, let me, let me just segue here and we're just wrapping up. I'm going to conclude with this question. When you look at an area where you want to get information, how do you determine if this is just get rich quick hype or if it's something that can really help you personally, I don't have much of a filter for that. When I look back at the books that I've read, think and grow rich, the magic of thinking big. I mean, I have, volumes of get rich quick programs here in my office, things that promote that you're going to be making $50,000 a month, you know, next month. When I read those and realize this is not realistic at all, do I get upset? Golly, I spent another 65 bucks or $650 or $6,500. Do I get upset that I spent that money when this isn't really realistic? They really exaggerated what was here. No, that's not my response. What do I look for? Again, I'm looking for those one or two ideas where I can take those seeds of ideas and 
expand on what I'm doing so that I get that 10x response back. That's what Ronnie's done here. He's not, he wasn't looking for a, a get rich quick thing. He just started absorbing everything that was out there, pulled the things that were realistic for him, started taking action and got to the success that he's now experiencing. Well, we are out of time. Hey, remember again, you know, jump in there to uh, harrys.com to pick up the gifts for the guys on your Christmas list. Even some of the girls, you know, we got some girls we're giving those to this year. It seemed to be pretty popular with them as well. And remember, imagination is more important than knowledge. Tap into your imagination. I mean, knowledge is fine, but imagination will take you places you've never been before. Hey, thanks for being part of this amazing community where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.